Dating Out Loud, where we discuss polyamorous relationships and queer sexuality with your hosts, Rowan and Rose. Hello, this is Dating Out Loud, a podcast about dating, relationships, polyamory, and other queer topics. My name is Rowan, and I am a polyamorous, uh, demisexual, transgender lesbian. I like the um, the question mark. <laughs> well, I mean, the the question mark belongs there for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, I felt it. <laughs> Who are you? I'm Caitlin Rose, and I am a polyamorous, married, pansexual, and today I'm also a uh, vegan. Today. As of today. Yeah. That has nothing to do with anything, but you'll know someone's vegan because they'll tell you. So <laughs> it's very important. It feels like a feels like an identity that needs to be stated. Yeah. I mean, it's important yeah. information to me. Yeah. yeah. And I'm also a cis woman. Uses she, her. Yay. You know, I really want to get into the practice of like everyone introducing their pronouns. Yes. I'm trying to get better at it. Just like remembering when I introduce myself to a new person. I like it. Way yeah. to go. Yeah. Um, what are we talking about today? Today, we are talking more about polyamory. If you caught the last episode, we were talking about our poly origin stories, which definitely feel like a little bit like superhero origin stories. I know we're both a little bit of superhero nerds. I'm definitely a superhero. Did you feel that about like your poly origin story? I can't, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. I mean, everyone's got an origin story, whatever they are. So origin okay. stories. So this week we are talking about jealousy, the issue of jealousy in relationships, and compersion. So why don't you tell us, for those who might not know, what is compersion, Rowan, as you understand it? Sure. Um, so the way that it was introduced to me is that compersion is the feeling of um, love, joy, pleasure, uh, that you receive when you are, um, thinking about or, um, seeing your partner with one of their loving partners. Um, from what I understand, it also encompasses other feelings that are tied into that same dynamic where you're feeling sad because your partner is sad. Um, over another partner or they're struggling or something like that. But for the most part, when we're talking to other people um, whom are polyamorous and they mention compersion, they mean happiness. Absolutely. So last time I was kind of sharing about how one of my unknowns about actually practicing poly and doing that within the marriage context of having a monogamous marriage uh -huh. for eight years, right? Making yeah. the decision to practice poly together. And uh, the unknown for me was what about this topic of jealousy? Like how bad would it really be? Would it be unmanageable? Okay. 
um, because I don't know about you, but when I have experienced jealousy before, my rational kind of like compassionate Caitlin goes away and I see red and it's just like there's just, I don't even know, my body could be doing something, words could be coming out and I feel totally out of control of myself. Yeah, yeah. Would you say that's a like, similar experience? I, I think that that's pretty standard across the board as far as jealousy goes. Um, from what I understand, jealousy... Jealousy is sort of... It's not its own feeling. Jealousy is a compound feeling um, that encompasses um, anger and insecurity um, and uh, envy. Um, and so when people talk about being jealous, I, I think that in... For the most part, it is that really big feeling where they're feeling out of control because it's it's all three of those feelings sort of getting tied together and mixed up and running away with themselves. Um, at least that's I've that's what I've sort of experienced and seen and and I've read some on on it. Does that that so makes sense to me? I really like what you said about it feeling out of control. Cause yeah, that's kind of what I'm what I'm trying to describe. Just not being in control of myself or, um, you know, feeling like it messes relationships up. Let's be real. Like it does. You see it, people argue, and it's just, it could be really ugly, and I didn't want anything, you know, like that to come up on a regular basis in my relationship. Yeah. So how do we deal with it in polyamory? Yeah. Well, that was the thing, though. I really kind of preface because we have had a lot of discussions uh before actually practicing poly about what it might be like uh-huh. <laughs> and i kind of preface like if something happens and i stab a bitch like will you <laughs> bail me out like will you have bail money set aside in case i lose my mind because like i was prepared for worst case scenario i'm not even kidding you okay oh boy our producer is my very patient husband and he's laughing because he knows that this conversation was real and it happened do you have anything to add to that babe <laughs> he's shaking his head he's not gonna comment which is probably wise <laughs> So, so you, you expected to stab someone? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like be like, or at least strangle, you know, I don't really carry knives. Well, just so. a little light just strangling is fine. Light, <laughs> just, you know, like, ah, I'm freaking out. So I was prepared for, for worst case. Okay. But the first time that I did witness intimacy between my husband and someone else, I felt this really strange feeling. And it totally caught me off guard because it was not jealousy. Okay. It was really not gen jealousy, but I couldn't identify it in the moment because I had kind of just never experienced it before. Uh huh. And so I took a step back and I'm like evaluating, you know, I do my little body scan, my presence, like what's happening for me in the moment. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a feeling of happiness. And I'm like witnessing his happiness and enjoyment and I'm feeling happiness not only for him and them, but myself. And I had never heard of conversion. Yeah. And I honestly like looked up this feeling to be like, name it, you know, like what am I experiencing? What, like, like, what did you look up? Like happiness for someone else's happiness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a, it was a real thing that, um, 
came up. So. So that I, was your first like extra relationship feeling mm -hmm. when polyamory. Well, that's yeah. a really good like way to start. I didn't start that way. Yeah. My polyamory started with jealousy. Like it was like, boom. <laughs> right there. Yep. I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> but you didn't. I don't no, no, no. I didn't punch. Jealousy punched me. Oh. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not going to stab someone when I'm jealous. <laughs> you know, you have less violent impulses than, than I No, I'm, yeah. That's I'm not violent. So what did you do, though, and when you felt it and it happened? Um, got real sad. Oh. No, I mean, like, it was before, it was before all the poly business. It was, um, if you remember back to, to my first poly relationship, um, the individual that I was seeing, we weren't really naming our relationship. We were just sort of seeing each other and seeing other people. And we were polyamorous. We just didn't call it that. Um, and we went to a party and they, like, I went to a party with them with the expectation that, um, that we were going together. Um, and then they disappeared for most of the night. And um, one of their friends came up to me and they're like, yeah, I really think that you should leave because... Um, this person that you came with is, is probably wanting to go home with someone else. And, and I think that you should just leave. Um, and it, it was real rough. Um, it, I mean, it, it, it tied up in the end. Um, but jealousy was definitely my first introduction to, uh, to polyamory, which was, it's hard. And it's, I mean, it's what people talk about the most when, when you tell someone that you're polyamorous. They say, well, I could never deal with the je jealousy. Yeah. Well, to be fair, that scenario you just described, I feel like to this day I would get jealous over that because we have certain um, like requests now, I know, to request. I'm like, ahead of time, are we going to this party together? Are yeah. we going to spend time together? Are we going to be picking up other people, talking to other people, going home with other people? Yeah. And so that then that really, if that does happen, doesn't, it's like, a, oh, that's a different vibe for this party. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So. Yeah. And I, that, that takes me to like ways to get around jealousy. And one of, one of the ways is exactly what you described is managing expectations. I think that that's a major, major part of dealing with jealousy is that, um, one of the biggest reasons that I was jealous and one of the reasons that you had said that you would be jealous in the same situation is because I had an expectation. That expectation was not explicitly voiced to me. We had not communicated that. It was just something that, that I had assumed. Um, and that wasn't fair. And, um, and it wasn't fair that it, I wasn't communicated with either, but, but that's, that's how you work through jealousies, I think, um, through communication and managing expectations as you move forward. Absolutely. That's a huge part of it. And it's harder to do than it sounds. Yeah, it is. In my experience, um, because it's like everything that you might do 
and just kind of take for granted, especially in my case, like having a partner where like we've done things in a certain way for so long, having yeah. to be really, really, really explicit yeah. and take more time because just because you have a certain expectation doesn't mean someone else is going to be wanting to meet that at that time and then it's like a whole possible negotiation or like listening to just both sides and agreeing to not necessarily have the same feelings around something yeah and that is also um a learning curve i think because at least i was kind of socialized to expect and assume that a partner is going to adopt in a lot of ways this my feelings around something yeah and to have just recognize that there might be totally different needs between people um and then finding what will work has been trickier than actual for me instances of experiencing jealousy yeah and and that's where that's where the work comes in like um if we were talking a month ago i probably would have said i don't get jealous but um i mean Obviously, everyone gets jealous at some point. Um, uh, but it's about putting in that work. That work that you just described. Um, I wanted to... You mentioned something a little bit ago um, about... I mean, why don't you discuss... Why don't you tell me about how you go about doing that negotiation? What that looks like for you? Sure. Um, just considering that for a moment because it has looked different ways and some have worked better than others. Okay. <laughs> I'm a very trial and error kind of person. So well, did, did you do any research first? No, this is me. <clears throat> You're okay. the researcher. Okay. I'm the jump head first into things and slam into walls and learn and pick myself back up again okay um so there was definitely um i would say a fair bit of just experiencing disappointments before getting kind of hip to like oh wait if we like talk about all these things ahead of time instead of afterwards then there's a whole lot more that can be productive uh -huh. <laughs> about having these conversations um, so just even figuring that out was, you know, a little bit of a trial and error, but when I've done them and they've been successful, to me, the intention has to actually be toward trying to understand someone. Yes. Not toward getting your way. Yes. Like, because if you're just like, this conversation is about how I'm going to get my way, I'm going to win, you know, then it's an argument. It's not really a conversation. Yeah. And then it's really much more um, easy territory to use tactics of guilt or manipulation or, you know, just kind of the unconscious crap that often happens in relationships when they're more what I would call ego-based, like getting my ego needs met. Like, I want this and I'm going to get my way. Yeah. Um, even though, to be completely honest, I've definitely gone into conversations feeling that way and not necessarily changed 
my perspective even at the end of the conversation is because I'm like I'm consciously being selfish and this is what I want and this is what I'm going to get so oh, I boy. will hear what you feel around that <laughs> but it wasn't really like I'm gonna meet you this way and you meet me like you know what I mean yeah. like I've I've had those moments and just you know just to be fully honest uh you're not shit. an easy partner necessarily <laughs> I'm listening um, you gotta own your shit. It's good. Um, but when it's like, sometimes I can hear how someone truly feels and then I'm just compassionate enough to feel like, wow, I, I can do certain things that would make this easier and meet these requests and I can totally, um, hear that, not only hear that, but I can also like meet that request. Yeah. And that, to me, is a fun, kind of a fundamental, I wouldn't say, like, um, how do you say, like, just foundation, like, foundation of how I want to practice poly is around having requests and, com- and communications versus expectations and how I've heard some people refer to it as rules. Okay. And I don't operate by rules. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. You want to describe the whole rules thing more or do you want me to? Oh, I think you, I think, I think you definitely should take out that one. (laughs) Okay. Um, so for anyone who is unaware, um, polyamory has several different ways that it's structured. Um, and it goes from, um, most of the time what you hear is it goes from sort of swinging, um, the the kink of swinging which is structured as a couple who is engaging in um intimate play with another couple um but there is no there's no emotional exchange um and then it goes all the way down to relationship anarchy which um professes full and total um agency and autonomy for each individual that you engage with and and includes all of your friends um, as well as partners. Um, Sort of a middle place, you find the hierarchical polyamory, um, which is a polyamory um, structure where um, it's often engaged in um, by a couple who has opened up their relationship Um, from marriage or long-term relationship, however they structure their relationship. And in order to best um, work around feelings of jealousy, um, they institute certain rules. Um, And not all hierarchical practicing um, polyamorous people, well, I'll say that three times fast, Um, not all of them have rules in place. Um, but you will always find rules. You will always find that rules are practiced by people who are doing hierarchy because it doesn't really work with anything else. Um, but in order to combat jealousy, they have certain rules. Um, stuff like, uh, you know, you can't bring anyone home. Um, or if, um, if we're making a date, then, um, we have to go out at the same time or we have to date the same person. 
Um, and it can even go so far as allowing partners to have um, uh, veto powers over potential partners um, where they can at any point in the relationship or at the beginning, depending on how it's been uh, set up, say you have to break up with your partner and then the other partner has to do it. Um, and some people play by those rules. Um, I happen to think that that's not super moral, ethical, um, mostly because I don't think it takes into account how other people are, the, the other people who aren't subject to the rules or, or didn't have a chance to negotiate the rules. We were talking about negotiation. Um, they don't have a say in it. Um, and I think that that's problematic. Um, but I don't know. People practice their own ways. I'm, it's really hard for me to not say that there's wrong ways. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a thing that a lot of people who practice polyamory say is that there's no wrong way to do it. Um, I don't necessarily agree, but I'm not going to shit on other people's Oh, ways. I've done it like five different wrong ways. So there's totally <laughs> wrong ways to do it. Okay. Oh, shout. Um, but I like what you said about, I mean, even if you have your own moral feelings around certain different ways to practice poly, that overall you hopefully are practicing ethical non-monogamy yeah. and that does kind of get down to some of the finer points of ethics versus morals yeah you know what i mean but ethically um i'm more of a great person so even that a great person yeah okay yeah where i can i have a lot of broom in my brain for ethical justification okay so what does that even mean to you if you can make that into just a small part about what ethical non-monogamy means? Um, well, I mean, I don't know what it means to you. Um, <laughs> ethics are very, very important to me. Um, I have a very strong um, moral standard that I hold myself to. Um, the way that I think that it applies to polyamory um, I'm a relationship anarchist, so, or as close to it as anything else, I guess. Um, so the way that I view morals and ethics and moving forward is that you're responsible for yourself and yourself only. Um, so I can't speak to anyone else's morals really, but, um, as long as I'm making sure that I am not actively suppressing someone else's agency um, when I am engaging in a relationship with them, then I think that I'm acting in a very moral way. Now that gets real gray real fast um, because because what do you do when when no one has agency or when me taking care of my needs is actively removing someone else's needs. Um, and I don't know the answer to that. Um, but, but I have a rule of thumb um, and I try my best. I don't know if that answers your... A rule of thumb? I don't Can like that, share? right? No. Can you share your um, rule of thumb? Well, I, my rule of thumb is, is I, I try not to um, actively suppress someone else's agency. Okay, gotcha. That's... 
I mean, that's huge. That's what I come back to. That, that's huge, though. Because if you really take time to deconstruct, I would say the majority of relationships I have observed and engaged in until practicing poly, people might not say that that's what they're doing, but that is very much a, a part of kind of the standard relationship. Yeah, I mean, and, but it's it's part of the contract. It's not it's not an explicit contract, but when you're dating in the um, monogamous world that we have been um, cultured to, that's that's part of the contract. Yeah, you sort of agreed to it when you started dating. Exactly. And I think that that's what I push against, and that's part of why I am polyamorous. I think. That's it's to me. It's really deep. No, I agree. I think, I think that it is really deep, and it just is so respectful of each person, of each person's just humanity and freedom of choice and freedom of will and freedom of expression. And mm -hmm. to me, that's why. polyamory feels like freedom. It's not just necessarily like, oh, because I can be with this person and that person and I can have all these different relationships. Like, yeah, that that's fun and I choose to do that sometimes. Yeah. But really, it is a deeper experience and a deeper um, revelation, I guess, of my own self-expression for those exact reasons. Yeah, so. yeah. Now, I want to be clear. Like, people can... Um, employ these structures in a monogamous relationship. It's it's Absolutely. perfectly um, reasonable for a monogamous couple to do to to always negotiate what they're doing and make sure that they aren't um, uh, suppressing someone else's else's agency, um, specifically their partners as they're moving forward, and still maintain a monogamous relationship. Um, it just means that they have both agreed that they. Do, are not interested in engaging in a in relationships with other people, um, and I think that um, I say that more for like the monogamous people out there that I know who might be listening because because I don't want them to feel alienated and and I think that a lot of the tools that polyamory brings to the table can be employed in a very real and uh, helpful way um, to all relationships regardless of how they're structured. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I personally feel like my marriage has gotten much stronger and it's really just because of more communication and agency and all of these things we're talking about. Yeah. But shall we go back to jealousy for a moment? Yeah. Since obviously there's so much within practicing polyamory Yay. to discuss okay. uh, but r really when people do ask about it other than you know just kind of some off-the-wall questions every once in a while you know a lot of people their response to me has been I could never do that yeah and then if I probe slightly like oh okay like, you know it's not for everyone why, why do you say that though it's like well I would be too jealous. I'm just a jealous person. Yeah. Right. And so for me, when I did experience that initial experience of compersion that I was talking about earlier, 
I was actually really, really proud of myself. And it was such a moment That's of self growth to have the opportunity to realize that that was inside of me uh-huh. and not the other murderous possible outcome. You still and haven't stabbed anyone. I have not. I have not. That you can talk about. Nope. Okay. No violence has ensued. Now that's not to say I haven't experienced jealousy since then. Okay. Um, it has just been in kind of very unexpected moments, and it is not the most comfortable feeling. Uh, but I felt like there was a willingness inside of me to go through it. Okay. And to get through it. Okay. And just even that willingness to experience that discomfort and not need to have something done about it, like not to have something be different, yeah, just to sit with it and look at it and explore it is also been a huge, like I'm patting myself on the back because like, I don't think most people are necessarily willing to even just let themselves experience it. Yeah. And that's what it takes. Yeah. I mean, it really does. Um, because it does go away. I mean, it's not like a permanent state. I've never been in like a jealous rage for a prolonged period of time. No. It's just intense and usually for me fast and then pretty much it dissipates. What about um, like jealousy that is is chronic? It, um, it, it doesn't last, you know, a long period of time, but it keeps coming on. Do you ever experience situations where, um, like, you just keep butting against the same circumstance, the same thing, and um, and reigniting that that jealousy? No. Okay. What about you? Well, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um. And I, I don't have any answers. I don't. Uh, it's really difficult sometimes. Um, don't I mean, polyamorous is difficult sometimes. Um, and when you go, when you grow complacent, complacent with within any given relationship, then any changes are an opportunity for um, jealousy to crop up. Um, and so within an adjustment period, you can have these waves, I think. Um, I wouldn't have told you that, you know, last week, but, uh, um, but it happens. And I think that, I think that it's okay. And I think that, like you were saying, just sort of sitting with it, is a part of moving forward um, and understanding that it's nobody's fault. Um, I think that jealousy um, has a bad habit of, of attaching fault to to people. Um, and it's, it's not my fault, it's not your fault, it's not, you know, anyone in particular is, who's doing any injuring activities. Totally. And that can be, for me, one of the harder things to accept because then I really have to look within myself and say, well, then what is it that's so 
hard. Mm-hmm. If something doesn't need to be different. If no one is wrong, if I'm not wrong for feeling this, then why is it trying to really get my attention? And why is it coming up? And yeah. the hard answer for me is the insecurity part. Yep. And That's to go comes back to. like... Ooh, this is kind of like scratching this wound that is really actually deep, that is really old, that is really attached to a lot of stories, uh huh, and that isn't necessarily quick fixable. Yeah, I can't just like band aid up my deepest self insecurity. Yeah. Like. <laughs> no, you can't. Just, like, whoa, there's that still there. Or, whoa, like, there's this still... For me, it's that story of um, feeling really small and alone and and wondering if I'll be good enough to love. Yeah. And I... And I, and I share that because I really think that that's such a core wound for so many people. It is. I agree. And if so many of us are holding that and carrying that, then there's got to be more opportunities to keep challenging that belief and to healing that. Yeah. And I know it isn't a quick fix, but it has certainly gotten better in me that I can really stop that comparative kind of mindset and look for lists and traits and reasons why I'm less lovable or not as good as someone else that might be getting my partner's time, attention, affection, And to just not, like, just because I know that that's really, in my wise mind, it's not accurate picture. Okay. Like, I, because when I am attracted or interested or seeing someone, um, two people, I don't compare them and go, pros, cons, less, this person is like this, and this person is this. That's big. And I really don't feel that in my heart. My heart just feels the way that it does and appreciation and acceptance and enjoyment equally. Yeah. And it's the same for everyone. Right. And so if I challenge that go, well, then probably these other people aren't doing that to me. Yeah. And probably they actually just enjoy me and like me as I am, even if it's not the same way that someone else they like is like yeah <laughs> does that make sense it's a lot of likes it's a lot of likes but uh it's just um i don't know it does kind of challenge that and it also triggers it at the same time so it's kind of it can be a roller coaster to go through <laughs> it can be it can be um but i always end up coming back to and you know you lose your mind for a while and then and then you catch it again um but every time I've gone through this search for how to get over jealousy, I've always come back to um, always come back to trust. I think that that is above all what has pushed me forward. It's just like I trust in my partner in what they say. First of all, mm. um, they say you know that they care for me, and I'm gonna trust in that. I'm not gonna let 
my insecurities, my history of insecurities, chip away at that. I'm just going to listen and and even if I can't feel it, I'm going to trust in them. I'm going to trust that they're going to act in a way that shows me love. Um, oh, it's hard. And it doesn't always work because, because everyone's human. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my partner's trusting in me to show them that I love them in certain ways. And, and I forget sometimes. And, or I get distracted by another relationship or, you know, the dreaded new relationship energy. Um, you sort of go through that roller coaster. Um, but, but even, even when that happens, at the very least you can trust that, that, that short term and that if your partner is in it with you, um, if, if you both continue to, um, consent to the relationship itself, then, then you're going to talk about it and, and whoever needs a little reminding will get the reminder and, and I'm going to choose to trust that that's the case. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, just in terms of the vulnerability and the insecurity part, it's trusting that I can take care of my own needs and meet oh, them. I like that one. And love I like myself that. And that every need I feel like I need met from someone else, I can absolutely give to myself. I like and, that a lot. And that's not that I don't want them to be filled by other people or certain relationships sometimes. Like, let's just be honest. That's part of why we're in relationship yeah. with one another is to get certain things. But really to have so much more of an altruistic view of relationships that we're not just there to meet all each other's needs and get certain things for ourselves. Yeah. And just to really be in relationship in kind of a way of just respecting and honoring them and feeling like it's a gift to get to spend time with them and share experiences with them. And and it is a gift. Yeah. And that is not something that is um, guaranteed. So I think that can be kind of a little bit of the hard trusting part because you're not having someone say like... It's not set in stone. It's, right. not, it's not a blood pack. Right. And I think that that is an interesting topic as well because it's not that commitment isn't a thing that can also be had and be asked for and be practiced in and within polyamory. Yeah. And I get that kind of impression sometimes people are like, oh, that just means all you want to do is just like date or have sex with lots of people. And it's like, now I'm realizing I want actual real relationships though. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not necessarily people being on the, uh, you know, same page about that. Yeah. Yeah. For, I mean, like for most poly people, there's not a ton of sex. It's not, <laughs> I'm, I'm just putting that out there. Like, yes, there's sex. Sex is a thing, but it's not like wild orgies all the time. 
It's a big prerequisite for me. Yeah? Wild orgies? Uh, oh, yes. Okay. Sex in general. <laughs> I'm not in a relationship with people that I don't have lots of sex with. That is fair. Yeah. And, I'm not fun and that, that is fair. No, <laughs> and, and that's what's important. Yeah. For sure. <sighs> well, any final words about jealousy? I would just say if... Okay, I'm the kind of person that really likes to know where my limits are. Uh-huh. And to find those limits and to push those limits. Ooh, that's push them. That's the kind of person that I am. So if I feel like jealousy is a limitation in myself and in my relationships, I'm glad I've pushed through that and that I'm sure I will keep pushing through that. Because just like you said, things change and this is by no means meaning that just because it isn't coming up for me today, that it will not be coming up for me tomorrow. So just pushing through and continuing to look at it and to sit with it and to work with it. To me, that is a really huge um, asset. Yeah. And just the willingness to go through some discomfort. So if you're feeling like you're just up against the limit and you don't even want to test it or push it a little bit, um, I would just say that it really isn't as bad as I thought it would be in my mind to test that particular limit. Sometimes I have limits and I push them and I'm like, oh, no, 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 bad. Never again. Backpedal. Never again. Backpedal. <laughs> that was, limit was there for a reason. But this was one of those ones where I'm like, I'm really glad I tested it out. And actually, it was much more of a hollow wall than like a real brick wall. Oh, I so. like that. <laughs> it was it's a good metaphor. Much worse in my mind. Yeah. All right, then. And you? Um, no, I think that you said it. I mean, I come at it at a different angle. I don't like pushing limits. I'm a very um, scared person in a lot of ways. Um, I like security, okay. But, um, but I also like taking that path of bravery. And it's the same, it's the same concept as pushing the limits. Like, trusting that like doing the thing that seems the hardest yeah um and i've i've often found that that's where the most growth comes from and so and so i keep doing it no matter how scary yes thanks so much for listening that was dating out loud your relationship poly queer podcast with rowan and caitlin Thanks for listening to another episode of Dating Out Loud. Don't forget to like, follow, share, and subscribe.